You can measure the quality of a Lexus luxury sedan, but the only way to truly understand it is to experience it. At the Lexus Golden Opportunity Sales Event, find great offers on our most luxurious models. Lease the 2018 ES350 for $329 a month for 36 months with $39.99 to assign. Experience amazing at your Chicago area and Northwest Indiana Lexus dealer. Call 1-800-USA-LEXUS for important lease offer and pricing details. Not all customers will qualify. Offer valid in the Lexus Central Area only and in September 4th, 2018. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Climbing the Ivy on the Fan Sided Network. This is your host, Alex Pat, alongside my usual co host, Adam McGinnis. It is a roller coaster in the land of the Chicago Cubs, up and down, highs and lows. Uh, we have a lot of ugly blowout losses and some pretty incredible wins. And of course, we're going to talk plenty about David Bodie, the recent Cubs budding star, if you speak. Uh, so we're going to get into all that and more on this episode. But uh, let's welcome in Adam. Welcome back to the show. I know you missed last week's episode. I did. Shame on me. Hey, you good know what? Back. It went pretty well. Oh, good. That's that. Maybe that's not good. I shouldn't want it to go well when I'm not there. Otherwise, I'll well, be in danger of being replaced permanently. Yeah, I mean, I would uh, maybe... Uh, Step up your game. No, I'm kidding. You're doing great here. But it was really good having uh, Jake Meisner, our editor on the show. Uh, always does a good job. But good to have you back, Adam. And uh, let's get right into this. So why don't we talk about the good first? And I think you know where I'm going with this. Uh, David Bodie, the dramatic grand boat. slam to win it. What was your initial reaction? Before we go into details, what was your reaction when that happened? Probably the the same as everybody else's reaction. It was pretty loud. Uh, I was in a state of disbelief. I really did not expect that, but uh, that, that was awesome. I mean, that was, as far as this regular season goes, maybe the most exciting win of the year next to uh, the big comeback they had against Atlanta early in the season. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, the one where they were down like nine to one, and then yeah, one uh, yeah. fourteen to ten. Yeah, yeah. Up until a couple nights ago, that was the the big memorable game of the year for me. But Bodie, the Bodie Grand Slam to walk it off takes the cake. Like that was the that was the best moment of the season for the Cubs for me. That was that was pretty great stuff. And that blast was historic. I mean, you don't see walk off Grand Slams like that happened very often. I mean, you see them, but they were down three runs down three, nothing on the verge of being shut out. And I think Chris Kampka said on Twitter that it was the first time it was an ultimate grand slam to win it uh, since like the thirties, 1936. And it was like the first time ever when the person was behind two strikes. So it was a very historic blast. Yeah, it was it was two strikes and two outs. Like they were the Cubs were down to their very last strike, I think. So Yeah. That was cool. And I another thing that they mentioned on TV last night is that that was David Bodie's first walk off home run ever in his life, like at any level, little league, high school, college, any of it. 
And to think that he saved his first one to be in most grand fashion as you can get. Oh, yeah, and on a first-place team, no less. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the other thing about that home run was, like, it wasn't just some fly ball that flipped into the basket. Like, it wasn't, like, wind-aided. I mean, that was a bomb. Like, 400 That was a rocket. Yeah, he he roped that thing. That was that landed on that little uh, upper deckish platform in center field. Like that was not a wall scraper. That was an absolute missile. Yeah, and when you think about it, that was pretty close to the area where Sammy Sosa hit that uh, that tower where the camera is in the 2003 NLCS. I mean, obviously it wasn't on the tower; it was over, but. When you think about distance and how far it goes, it kind of reminded you of that a little bit. Yeah, sure. I I mean, you know me. I choose not to think about Sammy Sosa because he gives me the sads. These the sads. Days, but, yeah, has the sads. But, yeah, I mean, regardless of where it landed, it was an amazing moment. Um, it was cool. It was really cool. And, you know, I didn't see it. I did not see it. I don't know what? if you actually saw it live, but I didn't see yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, you're damn right I did. What, what's your excuse? What were you doing? You on the pod? I was at work. Oh, I, I guess that's a, I guess that's a reasonable excuse. Well, you didn't, you couldn't even have your phone sitting beside you. You, you know, have the game up on your phone or something. Well, see, here's here was my situation. Uh, I was at my internship with the Chicago Bandits, and we were wrapping up the final regular season game of the season. So I was out on the concourse, like, helping clean up trash and whatnot. And when I was bringing the trash bags back, I looked at my phone, and the notification was Zimmerman singled the center, uh, so-and-so scored, 3 nothing Nationals. So I figured, okay, it's over. So, you know, I silenced my phone, put it back in my pocket because we had uh, our usual post-game meeting with all the other interns. And my phone was still on silent. When I get back to the car in the parking garage, oh, 15 minutes later about, I pull out my phone just to look at it as I open the door. And all of a sudden I see final Cubs four Nationals three. And then right below that, the ESPN update, Bodie Homer to center, Contreras, Elmora and Hayward scored. So my eyes just lit up and I yelled, what? I immediately went in the car, turned on the radio and you just heard the crowd going nuts as Pat and Ron were talking about what happened. So I didn't see it, but when I found out what happened, I was just like, I, I couldn't process it. And I just went nuts after that. Oh man. Yeah. You missed a good one. I mean, it was one of those rare games where the Cubs offense played absolutely horribly for eight and a third innings of that game and still managed to win. But even beyond the offense struggling for most of that game, it was actually really fun to watch because Scherzer and Hamels going at it, that was a really, like both of those guys put on a hell of a show. That was a classic pitcher's duel they had there. It was kind of a battle of old because the Phillies and the Nationals used to be pretty big rivals at one point, even though they were never really good at the same time. The Nationals really hated the Phillies when the Phillies were good because they'd bring their fans in droves. And Cole Hamels pitched against uh, the Nationals a lot. And, you know, now you have Cole Hamels, a longtime Philly, on the Cubs facing a team that I used to face a lot with their ace on the mound. So the matchup from 
I, I mean, I rewatched the whole game, and I mean, it lived up to those expectations. Yeah, it it was really great. I mean, boy, it's too bad Cole Hamels can't just pitch every day. And if there if there is a god and he's a Cubs fan, he'll just make it rain for five straight days after Cole Hamels starts each time. So that's kind of that what great? I wanted to talk a lot about today was the rotations. I because Cole Hamels right now is our best looking guy. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not particularly close either. Well, the frustrating thing is that you don't know what you're going to get. Like, you could get good Quintana. You could get good Kyle Hendricks. But everybody's been so inconsistent that it's just almost a crapshoot every time it's one of those guys. Yeah, especially with Quintana because he had a really nice run of good starts. I think it was like 15 starts. He had a three ERA. And you're like, well, that's exactly what you brought him in here to do. And then – Boy, today against the Brewers looked Not awful. Uh, no. Against the Cardinals looked awful. Didn't look very good against Kansas City, even though he settled in pretty nicely before some bad luck kind of hit him late. But, you know, you got a lot of inconsistency there. It's kind of frustrating. Yeah, yeah. it's it, it, That gives me the sads, too. Like that pitching was supposed to be the Cubs big strength this year. And it, that hasn't been the case. And Lester had such a good start to the year and his last oh, string of five or six starts have been clunkers. And it's, I mean, we can't keep counting on Cole Hamels to be a rock either. Like it's just, it's, he's bound to have a bad start one of these days. Right. And, but I mean, it's not like Kyle Hendricks and Jose Quintana are incapable of getting their stuff together because we, we've seen them uh, play up to their potential. They just can't do it on a regular basis. They just one every five days, you never know what you're going to get. And that's, that's kind of a kind of makes you a wild card in the postseason. That could be and- jumping the gun though, because the Brewers are kind of, gaining some ground and the Cardinals are too, really. Yeah. Yeah, no, the Cardinals have been hot lately. I just wrote about if they're a threat with Cubby's crib this yeah. morning. Um, I know you're saying nah, and I don't think they'll win the division, but they could certainly get a wild card spot, I think. I they could and you know what I we talked about this on Twitter last night and and you'd talked about it before too that I Mathena getting fired I think helped them a lot. Oh like, yeah. I think their I think their camaraderie on that team is probably better. And obviously I have no idea if that's true or not, but my gut feeling is that not a lot of guys on that team were particularly fond of Mike Matheny and I feel like maybe they've just sort of come together since he's gone. Like it almost lit a, a fire in them. But I'm not really worried about the Cardinals. Uh, they're not going to win the division. I mean, Matt Carpenter's on fire and pitching's been okay. But you know what the Cardinals are? The hmm. Cardinals are that are that one guy at the rec center who shows up to play basketball every night and he sucks. He's no good, but he just has one game where he lights he lights it up and he's just draining every three. And so from then on out, he thinks he's just a, a stud. And that's who the Cardinals are this year. Interesting analysis. I should uh, edit my article and quote you on that. Yeah, I came up with that on the spot. 
Well, good for you. Uh, wink, one wink. of the things I said about the Cardinals was, uh, going back to Matheny, the moves <laughs> they've made, they've pretty much added by subtracting. You got rid of your manager who was bad, and you got rid of some bullpen dead weight in Greg Holland, and now that clears the way for more competent players, and that's helped. Yeah, I mean – I have a question for you. Is is Matt Carpenter the MVP of the National League? I mean, right now, from a hitting standpoint, he is. But here's the thing. He is just on an unreal tear the past month. I mean, before, like, June, he was awful. And he is just oh, yeah. lighting it on fire. Here, here's what I'm asking is how long can he keep this up? Because you got to give him all the credit in the world for what he's doing right now. But – no baseball player can sustain that kind of play. Not Babe Ruth, not Hank Aaron. None of those guys can sustain that play for this long, for much long. You know what I mean? It, it's just yeah. the, the law of averages will get to every player, no matter how good or bad. There will be a slump. Yeah, there will be. I mean, Javi's kind of going through one right now. Yeah, he is. Now, another question I think to ask is, with the Cardinals, once you know Carpenter kind of cools off a little bit, who else is the big feared hitter on the team? You could argue Ozuna's playing better. You could argue Yachty could still get on base at a decent uh, cliff. But you look at guys like Paul DeYoung, who can be solid. Uh, Harrison Bader has been solid. You just Jed ask Jerko. yourself, can you – Jed Jerko is still pretty productive. You know, Jed how, Jerko how is productive the funniest looking dude in the league. Keep him in a race. It's slightly off topic, but am I right? Is Jed Jerko not the, the funniest looking guy in the whole league? Just his body shape? Like, it's. I don't know. He, he looks like a bowling ball in a baseball uniform. I never thought of it that way. Um, interesting observation. I always thought that. He has a very Jay Cutler-like face, just the the flat, just stern look. I always just kind of saw Jay Cutler in his expression. He does have kind of a Cutler-esque face. He just, like looks oblivious to everything all the time, like he and like he just doesn't care about anything. And you know what's funny? If you like, kind of watch videos of Jed Jerko talk, you, you I don't know, you get a little bit of a Cutler vibe there too. He goes really? out there, he's just very just kind of dry and straightforward and I, I just I feel a little bit of Jay Cutler with him and I'm not saying that in a bad way just in a comparative way okay I I trust you I believe you yeah on that. See, see for yourself <laughs> if you agree anyone listening okay. to this podcast um yeah that, that's that's my thoughts on Jed Jerko okay all right but, yeah, I mean, we'll see kind of what happens with them. Um, you know, they won in a dramatic game against the Nationals. But, boy, the Nationals, I think they're screwed. I don't know about you, but I think that Cubs series was just – it wasn't like an official eliminating dagger, but just for their confidence and morale, the Cubs easily could have gotten swept in that National series. Yeah, they could have, and I'm glad they didn't. But I, I don't think the Nationals are out of it yet. Like, I still think there's a chance you know, with the lineup they have and the pitching they have. I know their bullpen hasn't been lights out lately, 
It's but with bad. those starters, no, it's, and, it's bad. Okay, yeah, I won't, I won't dance around it. But I still think they've got enough firepower in that lineup that if Atlanta and Philadelphia go on a little bit of a cold run, uh, they could gain some ground. I mean, seven games at this point is not ideal. That's going to be hard to come back from, but it's not insurmountable. And it, it's, I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that Bryce Harper and Trey Turner and Daniel Murphy lift them up a bit and at the very least make things interesting at the end. Yeah, I think they could stay in the race. I just don't think they're going to end up making the postseason. No, yeah. If I if I had to pick right now, I would say they're probably not going to get it done. Right. I mean, look at the first game, Cubs-Nationals. We'll go back to that series. You had a guy throwing a no-hitter. The Cubs looked completely off balance. They had opportunities to extend the lead. They didn't. And then a flash, Cubs come back, draw walks. They can't find the strike zone. They take advantage. I, that was a big win, I thought, that first game. Oh yeah. Yeah, that was that was real real good stuff and yeah, a sweep would have been nice, but you can't get everything you want, I guess. No, my uh, brother, sister-in-law and dad were unfortunately at the game they lost where John Lester again really struggled. And that brings up the question that I have for you. Do you think that they should 10-day DL Lester and have him just skip a start? I mean, man, it. I guess I wouldn't be opposed to doing that. I mean, I'm not sure. I'm not sure there's anything wrong with him. I don't know that he's feeling any sort of. I just don't think that skipping a start would do him any good. I I don't know. That's just my my own personal opinion. Is that whatever it is he needs to fix, I don't think skipping a start is going to benefit him. I. That's that's all I've got to say about that. I I don't know. I just think it's one of those things where he just needs to find his groove again. Best way to do that is to pitch. Yeah, I mean, the way I see it is I don't know how much good it'll do. I don't think it would do any harm, but I'm not sure how much good it'll do, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's... See, I, I'm of the perspective that I think that Skipping a start maybe throws them off a little bit more, too. I mean, not that things could get much worse for Lester, but generally that's why I'm usually against six-man rotations, too, is just because it kind of throws pitchers off their rhythm a little bit. And I I wouldn't want to throw a struggling pitcher, an already struggling pitcher, off their rhythm even more. Yeah, I I, I guess if you were to do this situation – you would have Chavez start a game. Now, the only thing is, it seems easy to do, but when you're in a tight division race, it's probably a little riskier for the team, not as much Lester. Because, I mean, you need to win every game you could get. If this was 2016, they could have done that pretty much the last two months of the season, and they still would have won the division by 15-plus games, if, you know, if they had to do that. But that's not really the case here. That's the one thing that I would worry about. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm 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 not too worried about it to be honest with you. I I think Lester'll come around. I Hendricks has looked better lately. Quintana I'm willing to forget about today's game because he had been 
sort of trending upwards before that. So I, I think the Cubs are in okay shape. There's no reason really to panic right now. Um, they really need to beat the Brewers tomorrow uh, because if they don't, they'll only be a game ahead in first place. But there, there's a good stretch of games coming up, a real winnable series. And after this Milwaukee game tomorrow, you got the Pirates who, who have been pretty good lately, uh, not world beaters, but decent. And then you got the Tigers, Reds, Mets, that all three terrible teams. So it's a good chance for the Cubs to gain some ground again. If the pitchers can give the Cubs five or six innings each day. And I'm glad you mentioned the schedule because you mentioned the good stretch there where you got Mets, Reds, and those guys and Tigers. You want to take advantage of those because after that, you don't have any off days and you got to go to Washington. You got to play the Brewers again. You got to play the Diamondbacks. You got to play the Pirates for four and then the Cardinals. It's sprinkled in there. You have another Reds. You have a White Sox. But after that, oh, you also have the Phillies too. So after that kind of easy stretch uh, from the Tigers, Reds, the Mets, it gets tough, especially when you don't really have any days off. So you've got to take advantage of those games. Yeah, I, you know, I think they, I don't know if they need to win the Pirates series. I suppose I'd be okay with a split because I think it's a four-gamer. Don't um, lose that series. Do not no. lose I think if they lose that series, that's going to cause some trouble. Yeah, and then in the the Detroit series, I think, is only two games. Yeah. And I believe they've got Hendricks and Hamels. Hamels or maybe Lester. Going no matter in both who's of those going, games. you got to take care of both those games. Yeah, it, yeah, you're absolutely right. It really doesn't matter who's pitching for the Cubs. They, they should win both of those games, even though it is in Detroit. Uh, but Detroit is a terrible team, and the Cubs really do need to win both those games. Uh, a sweep of the Reds is definitely possible. Uh, the Mets series is in Chicago, so that should be an easily winnable series as well. But, yeah, they they really got to take care of business on this stretch here. And, look, I'm not going to stand up and just say, oh, you got to win like 15 in a row, but you want to no. win all those series. Like, you want to win those two in Detroit. You want to take two out of three from the Mets, two out of three from the Reds. Uh, if you can get that, then I think you're in pretty good shape there. Uh, because I know the Mets, if, depending on who's pitching, if you got DeGrom and you lose a game to DeGrom and you lose the others, you know, that's, that's fine. That's understandable. The Reds have kind of returned to being the Reds, but, you know, if they squeak out a win and you win two, that's fine as well. You just don't want to lose any of those series because of what's coming up after that. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's kind of a, it's a fairly difficult September schedule, and so – yeah, you you can't really afford, especially with the Brewers as close as they are, you can't afford to drop series that you're supposed to win. The way I see it, and I've talked about this before, I'm going to say it again. At this point of the season, where the Cubs are, if they end up not winning the division, it's it's pretty much on them because they control their own destiny, essentially. So you want to see them right. take care of business here. You want to see everyone get healthy. It would be really disappointing if they couldn't get a division because I don't know if you saw my Cubbies crib article the other day. I kind of want to talk about this a few minutes, but 
I'm sure you're with me that you don't want to see this team have to deal with a coin flip one and done wild card game. No. I mean, as fun as those games are, like I had a blast watching Cubs Pirates in oh, 2016. Or not in 2016, 2015, right? Yeah, 2015. Yeah. Dodoy, they won the World Series in 2016. But yeah, that game was a lot of fun to watch, but I would I would much rather uh have the security of just going straight to the to the uh a uh, five game series. But uh I mean, I don't know. I I really honestly believe that at this point in the season the Cubs would have uh, a a much bigger lead on the Brewers now than they do because the Brewers were kind of slumping there for a while and the Cubs were sort of hot at that time and yeah, they were. Things have, things have changed, and the Cubs are in a position now where you know, lose tomorrow. It's it's a one game lead. It's it's it still feels like anybody's division right now, which is both disappointing and also exciting, because you know the the fan in me wants the Cubs to to run away with this thing, but just the the baseball fan in me loves to watch a tight finish at the end. Oh yeah. I hear, I hear that. It's, um, I was kind of hoping at this point where we were going into the all-star break. Cause we went into the all-star break on a real high note, a real high note. The brewers were on like a six game losing streak. The Cubs were on a winning streak. They were up like three or four games and it just kind of felt like, okay, They'll just kind of coast to a division title the rest of the way. And that hasn't really happened yet. I think the starting pitching outside Cole Hamels as a whole has looked kind of worse. Uh, You have Cole Hamels pitching well. You have Kyle Hendricks pitching better. He's missing more bats, and he's not getting hit as hard as he was before. So at least there's that. But, you know, Lester's in a real slump. Quintana's been – he's had some really rough starts. Uh, So – you're hoping that once Lester kind of regains things, and I think he will, he's worked out of jams before and picked things up. He's too good not to. Once you see that starting, that's when you could see a potential takeoff here. Um, and, of course, we need to get Chris Bryant and you Darvish and Brendan Morrow healthy, and we need to get this offense consistently hitting again. And I don't mean the nitpick, but the offense in the second half so far really has not looked all that great. As no. A- no, it it hasn't. It's been really inconsistent. You've got a lot of games where it's just one or two guys hitting the ball. Mm-hmm. And there's never I I can't remember the last game they've played in the second half where everybody was uh was hitting well, which is you know, that's just the nature of the game. That that happens. What but, it tells me is that this offense is due to explode. Yeah, well, ideally we we can only hope, but yeah, getting Chris Bryant back would be huge. I mean, being able to insert him back into that lineup is that's because that's going to help the guys hitting around him too. Mm-hmm. And you know, maybe it's time for when Chris Bryant comes back. Maybe it's time for Addison Russell to grab some bench. What do you think? You know, Russell at the plate as a whole the past month has looked been dreadful. Awful. Yeah. And there's no other way to put it. The swings look bad. The approach looks bad. Everything looks bad. And this was after he had like a two-month stretch where it really looked like he was coming around. I mean, he was spraying the ball all over the place. Wasn't hitting for power, but he was 
putting it all over the place. Once you get Bryant back, I agree. I think he's the odd man out here. Yeah. You play Bodie at second then? Slide Javi over to short? Yep. And I think I Javi, Javi plays a better short than he does a second, I think. I mean, uh, would anybody dispute that? I mean, he's he's a natural shortstop, isn't he? Yeah, and you look at some of those highlight reel plays he made like last year, a lot of those were at shortstop. Hello? So, there you go. I, I, I would agree with you. Okay. Yeah, so uh, we'll get uh, we'll get Addison Russell on a plane and ship him out of here, send him send him to another country, and then second base can be David Bodie's gig. But uh, oh, okay. you know, some and somebody somebody brought it up on Twitter today when I advocated for for just shipping Russell out of here and making it Bodie's job at second that. And, Addison Russell obviously is a better defender than David Bodie in the infield right now anyway. And his argument was that David Bodie is 25 years old. There's a reason why it's taken him this long to get to the majors. You can't, obviously Bodie is not going to be as hot as he's been for the rest of his career. That's just not, that's not going to happen. And so his whole thing is that, you know, maybe Addison Russell's stellar defense outweighs, you know, whatever you think Bodie is going to give you in the future. But the flip side of that for me is that it's, it's less about uh, whether or not Bodie is a huge upgrade over Addison Russell in the long term. He definitely is right now. I mean, there's, there's no reason not to field your best team right now in the heat of a, a, a division race. But for me, it's more about seeing what you can get for Addison Russell because I think they could get semi-decent pitching in return for Addison Russell. Yeah, uh, here's the thing. Those are valid points that you made. Um, Bodie, who knows? He could be one of those flash-in-the-pan guys. We don't know. Uh, We've seen that a lot. Think of it this way. Even if you kind of parted with Russell and you had David Bodie playing for now. You still had two other options at second base. You have arguably the best hitter in Ben Zobrist as an option in terms of the at-bats he has and just his ability at the plate to get on base. I mean, Ben Zobrist is arguably your best hitter. So you have him as an option and you have Ian Happ as an option. So the depth kind of makes that decision maybe a little easier you play the hot hand in Bodie now, slide Javi over to short, and if Bodie starts kind of slumping, it's like, all right, give him a little more Ben Zobris, a little more Ian Happ over there. Yeah, I completely agree. That's we're just we're at that point in the season where, you know, you're not playing anybody to bust them out of a slump. You're you're not thinking about anything else other than winning the game you're playing at the moment. I I think right now you have to field uh, the team that gives you the best chance to win the game. There's no question about it in my mind. Like, I, yeah, I don't know. I just, yeah. It's just mid-August no, I mean, is way too late to be to be tinkering, tinkering around with stuff. I, I totally agree. It was okay for Joe Madden to do it in 2016, like I said, because they were up by, like, a century. You know, they were up 17 and a half games when they won the division. You could fool around all you oh, wanted, yeah. but – in a tight division, that's a little different. 
Yeah. I don't know about they you. They don't have that luxury I think, right now. Right. Here's a question for you. This is my opinion. I'll see what you think. I think it's time to get uh, Rizzo out of the leadoff spot and kind of do a more traditional Cubs lineup. Um, I liked him at the leadoff spot for a while, but I think now it's time to shift back a little bit. What, what's your take? I agree with you 100%. I've never been a fan of Rizzo leading off ever. It just, you know, I, I get that he's been hitting better lately, but I don't necessarily believe that hitting leadoff has anything to do with that. I, I just feel like if he was hitting third or fourth, he still would be doing what he's doing right now. And so, yeah, I would, I would much rather see the Cubs uh, go with the more traditional route, um, especially as we, we wind things up here. I just, I don't know. It seems kind of gimmicky to me. Like at first, maybe it was kind of sort of amusing, big first baseman in the leadoff spot, but it's now it's become such a regular thing. And yeah, I, I'm not a fan. Come on, Joe, please. Here's the thing. I didn't see today's game, but I looked at the lineup and I get playing matchups, but I really scratched my head at the Listella batting fifth thing. And, you know, I just know more of that stuff. Put out as good of a lineup as you can. That's a, that's a spot for like Kyle Schwarber to be in fifth, not Tommy yeah. Listella. And I'm, I'm not usually one to just hamper on every single lineup Joe puts out. Like I'm tr- trying not to be that guy, but I think there are times when you can legit look at the lineup and just kind of go, really? Why? Oh yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I feel the same way. Like I trust Joe Madden. I trust his judgment and we all have, he's not perfect. He makes some head scratching. No manager is sometimes. Oh yeah. Every, every manager does that. But uh, there's no reason not to, to trust Joe. He, he's taken them this far. He's been one of the best managers they've ever had in their existence. Maybe the best. But, yeah, I mean, sure. every once in a while he gets a little cute with the lineup. Right, yeah, and I think that's fair. Uh, sometimes I think he gets a bad rep for the pitching because, look, the rotation is struggling and you've worked your bullpen so hard you you can sympathize with Joe where he's trying to rest his bullpen as best he can, even though his starter doesn't look good. He almost doesn't have a choice but to keep some of those guys out there. Luckily, Theo Epstein made a lot of these bullpen moves to add depth, so it makes things a little easier. But, you know, you saw him before those depth moves, and you still had Brandon Morrow hurt. It was tough on him. Yeah, I mean, there's sometimes sometimes managers do get unfairly criticized for – for how the pitching works out late. Some things are just out of anybody's control. And, you know, I won't deny that last year in the postseason, Madden made some questionable decisions with the, the postseason uh, bullpen, but, uh, but overall, yeah, I mean, there's some things you just can't control and people don't always have uh, a level head about it. Yeah, I mean, like you said, no manager is perfect. Um, he certainly isn't. Uh, so, but what are you going to do with him? He's going to stand by what he says, and, you know, that's that. I, I mean, I give him credit for at least sticking by his gut uh, in some of those times, even though it can kind of drive you a little crazy. Uh, 
here's something interesting I wanted to bring up. Speaking of Joe Madden, he was ejected today. You can't blame the umpire for this loss, but based on what I've seen from some of the heat maps and the videos, yeah, there were a lot of bad calls. And Ben Zobrist, of all people, a calm, mild-mannered guy, got ejected. And he basically got ejected for saying he wanted an automated strike zone. Uh, did that strike Boo. you at all? It was kind of interesting. No automated strike zones. That would be boring. I don't care if the call would be right 100% of the time. That would be boring. Here's what I think should happen right now. Because, look, the fact of the matter is the technology for an automated strike zone isn't ready yet. I think that they need to get some young blood behind the plates. I mean, a lot of these umpires are guys who have been around for 40-some years. Get some young blood behind there. Ageist. Wow, you're discriminating against old people. You're gonna, the AARP is going to be coming after you. Like in that well, episode of South Park, they're going to be coming down uh, <laughs> from planes. They're going to they're gonna be gliding down, and they're, they're, they're coming for you. <laughs> they're going to be at their home base at the Country Kitchen Buffet. They're going to be plotting. <laughs> oh, oh, that was great. That was a wonderful, wonderful reference. Thank you for making that. But I think the whole thing with some of these umpires is the job has gotten harder for them. And what I mean by that is you have more guys throwing 9,900 miles an hour. And these guys that have been around a long time, it's hard to make adjustments to that. I I just think some young blood with maybe some sharper eyes would be able to make a bit more accurate calls, even if they're not accurate 100% of the time. That's just kind of how I feel about it. Um, you have guys like Joe West and Angel Hernandez who have served in Major League Baseball for a very long time. Uh, I, I just think it's time to get some new young blood in there. That's just how I feel. Well, the the way I understand, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong because I don't, I may not have a, a, a perfect grasp on how this works. But d- there's there's separate crews uh, for umping in the MLB, and the way I understood it is that it's kind of a you work your way up the ladder in these crews. And so each, like each, uh, each crew leader, each crew chief, I should say is, so they're going to be older because they've been, they worked their way up to that point. Right. And so, so th- there right. are some young guys, there are some younger umps in the league. You got some guys in their late thirties, early forties, but I'm, you know, as far as age goes, I think there's always going to be, some umpires in the league in their, their late fifties and sixties. Yeah. I mean, it's never really going to change until they do go to an automated strike zone. So, you know, it's not like they're just going to purge everyone. It's, it's more wishful thinking. Um, so I, I, I just I think know. that overall I, the job has gotten harder on them. Yeah, maybe I, I just don't like the idea of the automate. I, it, it wouldn't seem as much like baseball, it just some it would not feel right to me. I I'm already not a big fan of replays. And maybe I would be, but they take way too long. I would say on See, average, like re- replays take it's just way too long. Right? Yeah, I mean a no, lot. I agree with the one. Every once in a while, there there's there's a play where it's really close and it's hard to tell. But a lot of the times, it's actually pretty obvious what the right call is after looking at it just once. 
but it still takes forever. And yeah. that's something they got to work. If they're going to keep this replay system, they got to speed it up because it should be a lot quicker than it has been. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I think that the idea is right because you want to get these calls right, but uh, you got to do a more efficient way. You have to have well, a more efficient way of doing it. Well, yeah, I mean, and their whole thing these past few years has been about how slow the game is and speeding it up, and it, but they made it slower with the replay system because they take too freaking yeah. long to decide on a call that is plain as day. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely true. I. I I kind of think now this could be a little contradictory because it could avoid the call being made right. Uh, but I think that you should at least play with the idea that you have like one minute to review it and make a call or maybe two at the most. I, I know I, you have to yeah. call and look at it, but it's gotta be like, okay, you have this amount of time and no matter what you have to make a call, don't drag this on for five plus minutes. I could I could go along with that too, and I think Len Casper uh, had the idea like a week or two ago, and I really liked it. Uh, something like uh, each team gets two uh, challenge calls per game, no more, no less, and it does not matter if the call goes your way or not. Um, just two for the game, use them when you need them, uh, and that's it. And I kind of like that idea too. Yeah, because it allows you to be more conservative on what you challenge. Because we've right. seen some odd challenges very early in the game, and then once you used it and it took a long time and you were wrong, well, now you just wasted a bunch of time. Yeah, and, you know, if I had it my way, I'd probably just get rid of it altogether because you know, obviously it pisses you off when the call goes against you when it's your team. But just as a baseball fan in general, I like it when a call is wrong every once in a while. I mean, I don't, I like the human element uh, of the umping and it, calls are going to get botched every once in a while. But generally speaking, those guys do a pretty terrific job. I mean, if you, if you think about how fast everything is moving, it's pretty incredible that they get it right almost all the time. Yeah, I mean, it's not an easy job. In the heat of the moment, it's easy to get mad at them. And there are times where I think a missed call is absolutely inexcusable. Um, I think the Angel Hernandez call on Anthony Rizzo was just flat awful. Most people could have called that right. But you know what? A lot of borderline calls, they're not easy to make. They aren't. Yeah, I mean, but... It's gonna. What does inexcusable mean for like? Does that mean you fire them on the spot after they make it? It happens, you know. But but here's the thing: there's no accountability. There needs to be some accountability here. That's what I have a problem with. What like reprimand them or what? There's no disciplinary action. There's no. There's no meeting. There's no reviews. There's there's nothing like that. It's like oh well, he made the wrong call. Whatever. There's just there's no accountability here. I feel like there needs to be some sort of accountability, and. I wish we had more time to discuss this because we could really go in depth here. But all in all, I think there's got to be some accountability. I mean, maybe there is. They could be getting like Indian burns or noogies after bad calls. We don't know. Well, now that you mention it, I think I saw Angel Hernandez's hair kind of fizzled at the top. So he might have gotten a noogie. I don't know. Yeah, maybe he got a like a an atomic wedgie or something. I just picture you being the commissioner of baseball. Uh, you know, there, there's no more replay. 
everybody bunts, and you're in the dugout giving noogies to umpires and atomic wedgies with, like, a, a crane or something. Sounds like paradise to me. Take me there. Take me well, there, I God. Mean, you could uh, write a book about it and live in a little fantasy world, and there you go. There it be. Well, we're pretty much out of time here on Climbing the Ivy. I thought we had a really good show today. Uh, Adam, always a pleasure. Yeah, it was okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you could check us out on iTunes or Stitcher. You could also go on com. You could see all the, the things to write, a lot of good stuff there. So until next time, I'm Alex. He's Adam. Have a good night. Summer is here. The sun is out, and so are you. When you go, take along a clever little app called Audible so you can listen to the stories you love while doing the things you love. Outside. A walk, a run, the pool, or the beach. All better with Audible. For just $14.95 a month, you get a credit good for any audiobook from the world's largest selection. If you don't like it, exchange it anytime. So get outdoors with Audible. Start a 30-day trial, and your first audiobook is free at audible.com.